And good evening. This is the Tech Travel Geeks podcast. It's episode 12, and as usual, I'm your host, Matteo, Chief Mobile Opinionist. So I'm afraid Lukash couldn't join us this evening. He's otherwise engaged. Uh, so I will be doing a bit of multitasking. I'll host the podcast. I'll try and handle uh, chat on my Microsoft Surface Go, which is sitting next to me, and also have a good chat with our guest, Please welcome to the Tech Travel Geeks podcast, one of the hosts of the BYOD podcast, Natty Shochat. Hello, Natty. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Matteo. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> so I've been a, a guest on uh, Natty and Greg's podcasts recently. Uh, we've already had Greg on the Tech Travel Geeks podcast, but I think it was time to have Natty along, especially considering the, the news that was happening this week in the fruity side of the world. <laughs> you can say that again, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, let's start off by introducing Natty. Natty, tell, tell us about yourself. Who is Natty Shuchat? All right. Uh, I'm Natty. It's a shortcut for Nathan, basically, which is a more uh, easy pronounceable name for uh, people who live outside of uh, Israel, which is where I reside. Um, the so-called um, startup nation, and I'll, uh, we can talk about why it's so-called basically. Um, what I do, I'm a product manager at a startup, not a startup, but a, it, it, we can call it a startup company, uh, which is resides up in the north of Israel, uh, one of quite few uh, tech companies that north in Israel, most of the tech in Israel and uh, labor as a whole is in the center. Most people know Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and that uh, th those cities. Uh, and this is what I do. I'm a product manager, uh, also a tech geek, basically. Uh, I love uh, tech news from, uh, mostly I'm an Apple user, but uh, from as part of my job, I use Android, uh, Windows phones even. Wow. Uh, yeah, the, the the few that are still there because we need to to test the products on them. Yeah. Um, so just to yeah. to give our users a bit of com context, uh, the te the the job title products manager is something that can be interpreted in many ways. Mm -hmm. What's your definition of a product manager? All right. So my definition of a product manager, uh, it's uh, you've uh, hit the nail in the head. It's quite broad, uh, but there are a lot of ways to look at it. The way that I'm looking at it is I'm a technical product manager, basically, and, and I take and I'm not in solely responsible of the roadmap of the products and the features in our product. Basically, I uh, gather some feature requests and ideas from all kinds of uh, verticals in our company. And what I do, I try to make those requests as technical as possible in the form of PRDs and then manage the development of those features or functionalities in the product. Uh, working with um, uh, developer teams and also synchronizing between uh, the business side of the uh, business and the development side of the business, which is those two sides usually don't speak the same language. So um, luckily for me, I have uh, the, in my past, I was uh, um, uh, electronic engineering. I had a degree, I have a degree and then I studied an MBA in um, 
information systems. So this is all of my reference and studies and my experience put me somewhere in the crossroad between the business side and, and the development side. So uh, this is where I'm centered basically. So, so your job title is product manager. Yeah. And I'm sure we could have a great conversation about the overlaps in the Venn diagram between a product manager and a technical product owner. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but we'll leave that for the the this week in Agile podcast or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, I had I had an idea a few uh, weeks ago, perhaps to do like I, there were there is a podcast from a good friend of mine, Guy Rambo. I think a lot of people know him from Twitter, uh, and he has a very good podcast with his uh, good colleague uh, John uh, Sandel. And they're talking and looking at the news and tech from developer point of view. And I had a thing thought, why not doing but from a product manager point of view, which could be quite interesting because products are everywhere. And you can see every product manager when he sees like a new gadget or something must have some opinion of the choices that were made and what is the pros and cons and how things probably got. I don't know, done in that uh, in that way until the product actually came to uh, to be. So uh, yeah, perhaps we, we we can think of something like this week in agile product <laughs> management. Uh, yes, podcast. Uh, I, I love the idea, and it's something I often do myself. Is when a new product is released, or when you get your hands on a new product, you in a way reverse product manage how this product came to be and mm -hmm. that's a great way of of exercising your mind to think like the people who had to make those difficult trade-off decisions definitely and i think uh a lot of once you start to view this world uh and actual products that are coming to this world you start to be a bit more objective because even though you really hate some feature or you really love some feature, you really understand or you get more sympathetic about how actually they made this awful choice that was made and you just bang your head and scream at the, I don't know, YouTube channel, the reviewer, no, well, how did they do that? But deep down, in, deep down inside, you know, well, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy to make these choices. It's always difficult making those choices, and that's why product managers are the people who both take the praise and responsibility for what happens in the product space. Oh, definitely. That's great. So you, <laughs> so you mentioned that you you have a background in electronic engineering, and you did a that then did an MBA. Uh, would you like to share more about how you got into electronic engineering? Um, yeah, well, when I started in high school, we had this course that was my uh, class in high school was um, electronic oriented. So we had like, it's it was this type of high school where you actually got some sort of um, actual training, practical training in some area of, of work. Uh, we had like classes with biology and uh, uh, software, and I was in the class of electronic engineering. And we had an option before uh, going to the army here in Israel, the army is uh, compulsory. We had an option to continue uh, studying for two more years for uh, an engineering uh, degree, not an actual, it, it's, 
it's an engineering degree, but it's not a full four years of uh, of B science uh, engineering. It's uh, some some something in between, uh, and then in the army you can get more practice, and then you go out after the army and into the you get a job because you have both the degree and some experience. Um, so this is what I did, uh, and then I studied for two two more years. Uh, it was quite interesting. But then after the army, and in the army I, I did some pivot, I decided to be a combat soldier from some crazy reason. Uh, and <laughs> and after that I decided not to continue in electronic engineering because I found it as a work too boring. And to do something that is a bit more, um, I don't know, I've, to me, I found a bit more interesting uh, in industrial engineering and then uh, I decided to drop the engineering part of it because I didn't like physics. So I just kept with the <laughs> information systems and uh, that's how I ended up with all of these complex degrees and, <laughs> and studying. Very good. So that's a very interesting path you, you had to product management. Yeah. And the, the startup, the company you work for, what sort of products do they, they make? What products do they bring to market? Um, basically, we have three groups inside of the company. I'm uh, part of a group which makes all kinds of mobile applications and games, social games uh, in part, uh, but not only. Uh, so I'm what I'm doing, I'm managing and helping the products in in the form of features inside of applications. And um, whether it's new types of applications, we recently had a very nice endeavor with uh, Facebook Instant Games, we, uh, which Facebook uh, pushed quite hard and was interesting. I also had the opportunity to travel to London, which I couldn't meet Greg for some reason. Uh, it just didn't uh, <laughs> uh, sort out. Um, so yeah, we are trying to, we're developing software and mostly applications and um, it's it's very interesting because uh, software eats the world. Yes, um, I, I completely agree. Now the funny thing is you say you didn't manage to meet up with Greg. Greg's on the YouTube chat at the moment and he's actually <laughs> uh, said that he thinks this is the first time he's ever seen Natty. So. You're welcome, Greg. Uh, there's Natty. <laughs> and you can see that he does have a proper microphone. It's not just his MacBook Air. Yeah, yeah, no. Greg loves my microphone. He always tells me that I have a very good microphone, even though it's uh, quite, it's not the most expensive one. But I did uh, uh, did some very nice rigging here. So we'll have a good equipment for our podcast. We started with, uh, with a Beat Studio. Uh, headphones as <laughs> my equipment and it was lousy so uh, I decided to uh, put the money in and get uh, a decent equipment. Yes, um, you're definitely one of the best sounding uh, guests we've had on the post uh, podcast so far uh, and I would argue you also have one of the best internet connections by the looks of things. <laughs> Greg can probably say something in the chat. Uh, we recently moved into a new house uh, in May, and we have a fiber optics internet here that comes straight into our household, which is like crazy fast. And usually, when I'm when we're finishing the podcast, I'm uploading the 
sound file even before we finish uh, stopping the record button. So yeah, uh, the internet here is quite good, definitely. So you have fiber to the premises, which is a, a bit of a, a dream for many. Yeah. And uh, I take it good bandwidth. What sort of connection speeds do you have? Um, I think the we have uh, the upload speed. Last time I checked, it's about 100, 100 megabytes. Uh, yeah, and the down the download and the upload is something like twenty five megabytes, which is quite nice. Uh, and what I did, I covered the house with some Orbi routers. I uh, have just a few days ago, I bought another extender which plugs just into the wall, which is really nice um, and doesn't sit on the floor or something, which is quite annoying. Uh, so we, I have a, a router and two satellites uh, of the Orbi, and it covers the uh, the house quite nicely. Uh, so yeah. So a, a proper geek home connection setup. Definitely. Now I just need some smart appliances, and uh, the Chinese can spy on my house properly. <laughs> well, as you say spying, I like to think of it as a a, a remote redundant backup, which you'll be able to get through a freedom of information request in about 20 years' time. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. I just need to learn some uh, Chinese, in Chinese, how to say, can I get my data, please? <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> so, yes, that's, that's one of the benefits of being a, a proper geek in this unregulated, often growing and arguably immature market of data. Um, we, we won't go into that too much at the moment. Uh, so you, you mentioned that you traveled to London recently. Do you travel for work, visiting clients or other off-sites? Yeah, uh, our development team sits in East Europe, in uh, Belarus, and uh, in Minsk. So I traveled there every few months to have uh, a proper meeting with them uh, face to face uh, be part of the qa process for some really big features that we try to launch uh, and to be a bit hands-on with them uh, before that uh, i traveled a few times when we were consulting to a company in uh, georgia uh, and um I don't know, uh, perhaps two years ago, again, we had a, a very big client in South Africa. So I had like a very long flight there. Uh, so yeah, in in general, I fly every three to four months. Wow, that, that's quite a lot. And uh, when when you travel, this is obviously for business. Do you travel for, for pleasure for, to go on vacation as oh, well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last vacation that we had was in uh, Budapest, me and my wife. Uh, it was during the construction of the house. We just said, enough is enough. We need to get away from this mad madhouse, literally, uh, and just have a few days of relaxation, of just like eating good, relaxing, traveling a bit, and um, visiting a very nice city uh, in Europe. Yes, Budapest is a lovely, lovely city. Uh, I've been there a few times myself. Uh, the company I work for has an office there as well. It's a lovely city, and it's very picturesque. Mm -hmm. uh, are you into photography much? Yeah, yeah, I love. I like to uh, take photos. I think in my bio in Twitter, I write something about tech and and photography. Um, 
in recent years, most of my photos have been from iPhones because they're just so, or, or the mobile device I use because it's just so convenient and it's there. Uh, but when I'm not using my iPhone or a mobile device, I have a, a, a Canon D90, which is quite good. And uh, I bought it as a present for my wife, but she doesn't use it that much. So I take the opportunity and use it every often. Yeah. That's very good. And so, so you like photography. Did you do much nighttime photography in Budapest? Uh, oh, uh, a bit, yeah. They have uh, they have like a, a night, very interesting night um, lighting in in the buildings. And I think uh, now that you mention it, uh, it uh, I, I remember that there was one uh, evening when we were uh, next to one of the bridges, the two bridges that uh, connect Buda and Pest, and there was a huge um, like a flock of birds just going uh, over the bridge it was amazing and in the the time of the day it was twilight it was amazing so um yeah i i did take some fo uh, photographs uh, and yeah budapest is is lovely at night their uh, statues and all of the cathedrals and uh, monuments are very well lit so it's if you have a very good uh, either stable arm or perhaps a Google Pixel 3 XL now, uh, you can take amazing photographs there, yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd also say uh, in terms of night mode, Huawei's phones for the last few years have had an amazing night mode. It used to be that you'd do maybe a 28-second exposure using a, a mini tripod or something. Mm -hmm. But the new handheld night mode on Huawei's devices uh, from the Huawei P20 Pro onwards is pretty amazing. Even on budget devices like the Honor 8X, you get good photography, nighttime photography on a budget. So yeah. I'm really impressed by it. And more recently, uh, in the last couple of weeks, the Huawei Mate 20 Pro, which uh, Lukash and I are both reviewing. He purchased one after he saw how pretty it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Huawei is one of the big uh, Android manufacturers that really... Uh pushes a lot in terms of the camera functionality and quality. Are they still, um, do they still use Leica in, in their cameras? So, yeah. Yeah, they do. So uh, the Leica branding, I have a case on, on mine at the moment, but the Huawei Mate 20 Pro that has been co-engineered with Leica and it's a, a really impressive uh, setup. I'm, I'm amazed by how good it is. Even the, they even have now have a, a super macro mode, which mm. allows you to take close-up pictures up to two centimeters away from your subject, which wow. is amazing. Yeah, sounds so. I I'm just trying to imagine how amazing that would be with Google's ability in, in software, because I think that most Android vendors, and I have a very big respect for for most of them. Um, they invest a lot of, in the hardware, and I think this is remarkable, especially from the Chinese manufacturers, whether it's Huawei, Oppo, Vivo, uh, OnePlus is doing some great things, uh, even Xiaomi. But I think the software is still their uh, Achille Achilles heel for them uh, because they're still struggling. And I totally understand which why it's hard. There was a very interesting article uh, on The Verge a few weeks ago um, on Android's, Android's 20 year anniversary. 
and um, 20 or 10, I, I perhaps I'm 20 years for Google, 10 years for Android. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Android is not that, it's not that old. Um, and uh, it was a very interesting article saying how the Chinese manufacturers are actually re-engineering Android because they can't use all of Google services there. So they are t actually taking the core Android or a, a, a OSP and then building on top of it. It's like a proper OS that they're building from the ground up almost. Uh, so yeah, I, I have understanding of why it's really hard for them, but still, uh, Software is where they could really, really improve. But not only only Chinese. Uh, Samsung is in my list also <laughs> a very big brand that can definitely improve their software skills. Yes, there's there's a lot going on in that space. Obviously, Apple had a, a good head start. They started off more, and they spent a lot of resource on it before the results started showing. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding is that Apple currently has a team of around about a thousand software engineers globally working purely on the camera software for their smartphones. Mm -hmm. And it shows. Uh, it's a very tightly integrated setup with both their hardware and their software. And they're amongst the best camera smartphones out there. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, there's a lot of subjectivity on it, how you prefer your, your pictures to turn out. Mm -hmm. uh, it's noticeable regionally the sort of pictures that come out of certain devices optimized for Asian markets are significantly different from those made for Western markets. So mm -hmm. it's, we've gone past the technical, can we do it to, are we catering what we do to our customer bases, which is very interesting. I totally agree. Uh, by the way, some of Apple's uh, camera teams are sitting here in Israel in uh, Herzliya. We have a, it's a small, smallish city, not too far from Tel Aviv, and this is where uh, the main Apple headquarters in, in Israel are, are sitting. And uh, yeah, I think they have uh, quite a very uh, not too big, but uh, a decent uh, team here that is doing a lot of. Um, Thanks for the camera modules, yeah. Wow, I, I didn't know that Apple had a, an office uh, over there in Israel where they're doing engineering work. Mm -hmm. Is that because they acquired a local startup that they thought brought value to their business, or did they start that as a new office? Um, uh, the, the, the former, uh, they, started, they, they acquired a, a, a small startup called Anubit a few years ago. I think it was their first Israeli acquisition. And then since then, they acquired two or three more companies. Um, I forget the name of the company that um, did the camera for the Xbox. Oh, the, the Microsoft Connect. Yeah, the the Kinect. Uh, there, there is a that company that had the basically hardware for the first Kinect is an Israeli company, and Apple bought them, and the result is Face ID. Yeah, they just shrunk the entire um, mechanism into Face ID, and not that recent, uh, not too long ago, they also bought another company, a small startup here in Israel that was had a very interesting technology for. Um, camera and facial recognition and i think this is this resulted in uh, emo emoji and memoji and emoji and memoji uh, so yeah and after that apple uh 
scooped a lot of tech Texas instrument engineers uh, that were laid off and they have quite uh, a big presence here in Israel, two big offices, one in Ertzalia and one up north in Haifa, which is more uh, engineering oriented. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, that, that's great to, to hear that uh, as well as other locations, they're also using Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, because just because of the startup ecosystem there and the relatively well educated uh, industry that there is there as in my understanding is that Israeli universities technical universities are producing world-class engineers yeah yeah we have uh, very three big universities here which are um, engineering engineering oriented one is in Haifa it's called the Techn Technion it's our uh, local MIT, and uh, the Technion is known globally for uh, its quality in research and in engineering. I think they have a lot of um, collaborative work with even MIT and very big uh, universities around the world. Uh, the second is Tel Aviv Uni University, and the third is uh, Beersheba University, which is located in the south. Uh, yeah, I studied in the Technion for for uh, for some of my um, studying. So yeah, it's definitely uh, high class, very very hard there uh, to study. I can vouch. Very good. Uh, so let's go back to you. you. You mentioned that you travel for work mainly to Eastern Europe. You've been to London uh, recently, and you've tra you travel for pleasure. What's uh, do you usually carry in terms of tech that makes your 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 trips better? What what's in your bag? All right, uh, so we definitely need to split up between my uh, business travel and my uh, pleasure travel. When I travel travel for pleasure, I usually don't take anything but my uh, smartphone, perhaps some battery packs for the flights and a camera, uh, if we remember to, to take it, uh, that's it. Other than that, uh, we just travel quite light uh, without any electronics and any gadgets because we try to avoid any of the hurdles of other electronics and uh, distractions just to be present in the vacation. But when I travel for business, it's a total different ballgame <laughs> because uh, I need to be uh, connected and I need to work. Uh, my personal preference is to take my uh, MacBook Pro with me uh, as my main computer when I travel. Uh, that's even though that on work I have a, a PC, a Microsoft PC uh, station, des desktop station. But uh, I don't know, my own preference is, to is uh, Mac OS, so I prefer to uh, do everything uh, through Mac OS. Uh, most of the work that I do is, um, I just need the browser mostly because it's either uh, mail or um, we're using a lot of um, software and management software like uh, Jira and Confluence, all of the things by Atlassian, which, if you're a product manager, you probably know that, <laughs> which is a plugin for our uh, yeah agile uh, product management uh, podcast. Um, yes, yeah, so hopefully they'll be sponsoring the the tech travel geeks and BYOD podcast 
joint venture which will be this week in agile <laughs> agile and agile tooling <laughs> De definitely definitely we have uh, in a lot of podcasts you hear podcasters saying how they love the tools that they're promoting uh so uh yeah i'm definitely a very big fan of atlasian and their tools i have some suggestions that they can improve but uh, definitely uh, an avid user. Um, so most of the things that I use are, are web things uh, and web, web tools, and I can do every, most of the things through the browser. Uh, but if I really need, from some reason, to plug into my uh, desktop computer, I can just do it from uh, RDC, which uh, sometimes can be flaky, but if the internet connection is good, then everything is good. Um, other than my MacBook Pro, I take uh, my smartphone with me, uh, several uh, headphones, because usually when I'm traveling, I, I also um, do some sports. So I take um, my Powerbeats, which I use them for running uh, and sports. I just find, find them the, the most convenient headphones uh, for sports. So power, just to clarify, Powerbeats are part of the Beats by Dr. Dre owned by Apple? Yeah, yeah, but I started using them even before Apple bought them. Uh, not because, uh, well, they had some issues with the sound, and I know that probably some people who are hearing us or viewing us saying, what the hell are you doing? This is They have like crappy uh, headphones. But uh, they really improved, and in my own personal taste, I found them to be the most convenient, not necessarily the best audio, but the hooks that they have, which just sit over your uh, ear, uh, to my taste, they're just the most uh, convenient out there. Uh, all of those uh, small headphones, earphones with, with those uh, tips and wings and all kinds of birds parts, I don't know, I just, they usually fall out of my ears when I'm running, so I don't like them that much. It's my ears are the problem here. It's not the not, nothing else. That's I'd say one of the biggest challenges for earphone and headphone makers is the vast diversity uh, of ears and head shapes and sizes. Definitely. It's a big big thing that adds to subjectivity and in a way is a good thing that everyone's trying to solve and there's still great diversity in the market mm -hmm. yeah definitely so you, uh, you you say you you carry multiple headphones when you travel do you have any that you prefer using on aircraft oh yeah um i have the i have two uh when and i sw swap between them uh quite often. Uh, one is the Bose QC35 that I have, which are very convenient and very good for uh, sound isolation. And I have another uh, type, Sennheiser H4, H45, if I'm not mistaken, which also have very good uh, active noise cancellation, not as in par with, with Bose's, but they're quite good. And Usually, I'm taking the ones that I haven't forgotten at the office, <laughs> and, I, and and I have um, more uh, at home. Uh, so, so definitely, I, I have to have something for the airplane and also for the airport because um, the noise is just annoying, and it's much nicer to fly and listen to something that you uh, like and be isolated from the uh, noise on the plane. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, so headphones and audio are important when you're traveling. 
Uh, what do you listen to? Is it music, podcasts, audiobooks, a mix of the three? Um, I think a mix of the three. It depends. If I have some podcasts left on my queue, I would uh, listen to them and uh, finish all of them uh, until the flight, during the flight, or whatever. If not, if I finished all the podcasts, then my second uh, <laughs> tier would be some sort of music. Uh, depending on, it varies. Uh, I have a very nice, uh, uh, C, the CEO of the company, uh, which I live, uh, work at, uh, he's a music freak and every few days he just comes to my desk and say, you have to listen. I found this amazing new band, some, some cool groove. And so, uh, I have a lot of uh, new music that I, uh, get all of the time. Uh, and I, experience and experiment with it. If not, I just listen to what I have on device uh, because there's no Wi-Fi on the plane. And I rarely uh, use audiobooks. I think I had only recently uh, tried a few audiobooks because I don't know why, but I prefer to actually read uh, if I'm on the plane. Audiobooks are, are great uh, uh, idea and feature, especially if you're... Um, commuting if you're driving i think they like podcasts they're the best uh, way in my opinion but luckily for me uh, my commutes to work are not that long usually it takes me about 30 to 45 minutes tops if there are some heavy traffic so usually the podcast that i'm listening um plug that uh, commute quite good that's great so um obviously th that's your mix of what you listen to in your headphones what are your three services that you use? What's, where do you get most of your music? What's the service you use to get that? Okay, so uh, naturally Apple Music is one of them because it's there. And uh, I think that uh, Spotify only um, arrived to Israel a few months ago. It was uh, only six months to a year. So Apple Music was in Israel from the get-go. And... Personally, don't tell Apple, but I have a, a US uh, iTunes account. <laughs> so it's, it's not like uh, li frequent listeners from the BYOD podcast don't know <laughs> that already. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I get the features that uh, US uh, Apple users are, are have. So I had Apple Music from day one, basically, even before that arrived to Israel, which was quite fast either way. But uh, Apple Music, because Spotify was absent here for quite a lot, and to use Spotify, I needed to go through hoops, uh, through all kinds of services, uh, VPNs, etc., which made it a bit annoying. Um, nowadays, I use Spotify also because they have a very, very good service, definitely. Uh, their curation is, I think, even better than Apple in, in some regards. And uh, there are a lot of artists that I can find on, find on Spotify and I can't find on Apple Music. Uh, so, mostly small and indie artists. So this is, it, it plugs in a lot of, additional artists. And the thing is that Spotify is free, so uh, I can use it without paying. So it uh, enhances my music experience and I don't need to pay for two services most of the time. Um, that's it, I just use okay. those two. So, and how about podcasts? What service do you use or, or app do you use for those? 
Oh, uh, for podcasts, I use Overcast, which I've tried a few of those, a few uh, podcast apps, uh, Castro and uh, Pocketcast. But I don't know, something about Overcast simplicity and the fact that it's not, I don't know, it's it doesn't have any fancy features, which are not, they are nice, all of the smart boost and, and has a very nice features, but nothing is too... Um, fancy or too um has a has a mental blockage on on the on you need to start figuring how the queue works and how you add your podcast to your fit no it's, it's quite simple and quite easy to use and i quite like it and uh, marco arment is doing a very nice job of uh iterating the uh ui and um Uh, adding some new features he had just added recently a very big update for uh, the Apple watch or for support for the Apple watch which is quite nice and um yeah this is the this is my go-to uh pod- podcast app okay and and what's your if and when you listen to audiobooks what service do you use for those uh audible but from Amazon uh, awesome is, yeah there's no competition here Yeah, it's still probably the best service out there, especially now that they're starting to do originals and also uh, the equivalent of podcasts, but more like investigative journalism or longer arc uh, episodic content. So that's my preferred service uh, for for audiobooks and certain types of content. Well, yeah, that's, that's great to hear. So that's good. Right. Um, so that's what you carry in your bag. Uh, you mentioned you, you carry an iPhone. What, what particular one are you using at the moment? Uh, the iPhone 10, uh, or as uh, Greg likes to call it, the iPhone X. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So, yes, I, uh, we, we've had this conversation before, I believe, about calling it iPhone 10 or iPhone X. Yeah. I'm personally of the opinion it should be called iPhone X. Uh, so, and are you happy with the iPhone X? Are you tempted to upgrade to the XS or the XR or <laughs> the XS Max? <laughs> or any other X with the, yeah, uh, actually, no. Uh, so we talked about it at the BYOD, and this is the first year in a long time where I'm not tempted to upgrade. Um, I've been an iPhone user since 2007. My first iPhone was smuggled to me from uh, the US even before iPhones were available here in Israel. And I had to jailbreak it and uh, uh, do all kinds of stuff in order only to to get it to work. Um, And ever since I had every iPhone other than the iPhone 3G, which I didn't Uh, believe was worth the upgrade because it had the same processor the same screen the same everything the only difference was the gps and the 3g connection and here in israel this is this, it takes me back to the beginning when i said so-called startup nation because even though we home house a lot of uh, tech companies and do a lot of the development of technology in the world the infrastructure here in israel is not as advanced as it should be in 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 um, when you consider all of the things that we actually develop here uh, like face ID and we have every every big company has a headquarters here so is that, do you think that's that 
issue with infrastructure is in any way related to a from an infrastructure standpoint a closeness to the us in terms of wireless standards um I, i'm not sure but look the us i think is very advanced in terms of the infrastructure um mobile payments are or are, are quite uh ubiquitous in the us and i think also in the in the uk uh japan has like a, a huge head start over all of us in that regard uh, i used to work at a company in uh, the beginning of the 2000s in 2005 six and we were already developing uh, chips for uh, Japanese smartphones in order to do payments, mobile payments. So it was all in, in those days already quite ubiqui ubiquitous there. Uh, so it, I don't know why, what is the reason or why, but we don't have a lot of the things that um, Western countries have, which annoys me a lot because we're developing it here in the country and we're not getting it uh, as fast as uh, you guys abroad have. That's almost like Scotland and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cheaper and better abroad. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely, we, we can't get a HomePod here in Israel. Uh, in, in fact, uh, we don't have, uh, even though we have a big Apple headquarters, we don't have any, um, official Apple stores here. We have only own like uh, retailers and certificate retailers and all kinds of premium resellers. But um, yeah, it is quite annoying. Oh, well, I'm sure that will change once demand ramps up. You'll, you'll eventually catch up in the, or maybe learn from our mistakes and skip the, the technological evolution bits, which are painful and useless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we'll learn something, yeah. So it's interesting you say that you're not tempted to upgrade. Uh, I originally wasn't tempted to upgrade my Pixel 2 XL, but then I ended up pre-ordering and... <laughs> For the audio-only listeners, this rustling is me taking the plastic bag off the box to a Google Pixel 3 XL in black with hashtag Team Pixel. So um, the unboxing to our Pixel 3 XL at Tech Travel Geeks will be live on our YouTube channel in the next few hours. I'm in, I have mixed feelings about the Google Pixel 3 XL. In a way, I'm not entirely happy with the pricing. It's, it's a very expensive device. Uh, I'm not sure if, if the quality and the actual benefits of it are that big at the moment, but we'll need to see. Maybe that uh, night, night mode in the camera will blow me away. Maybe the battery life and the industrial design will win me over. But especially after the Huawei Mate 20 Pro, uh, it will be difficult to, 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 to win me over. We'll, we'll see what happens. But Huawei uh, devices, the, the Mate 20 Pro, is not also that cheap, right? It's not that cheap, but it has a wow factor in the Twilight uh, SKU, or stock keeping unit. That Twilight color is truly astonishing. Mm -hmm. The industrial design with the curved screen, the little red button is gorgeous. And it feels very nice to hold, despite having a massive 4,200 milliamp hour battery. Mm -hmm. 
And that camera is, to me, is really, really important. Um, I've discussed this before, uh, both on the Tech Travel Geeks podcast, but also with on Miriam Joar's podcast, the Mobile Tech Podcast. I think there's a difference in philosophy in terms of how photography is tackled in these smartphones. So companies like Samsung and Huawei, they decide what the scene is before it, they take the picture. So they set everything up and then take the picture. Whereas Google seems to be taking multiple pictures, multiple exposures, putting them together and then figuring it out afterwards. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's Apple or more in the sort of Huawei Samsung camp of figuring it out before you take the picture, then taking the picture and that's it. What do you think, Natty? I think Apple is somewhere in between, uh, especially this year when they started to do more computational photography. Uh, up until this year, I would definitely say that you are right and they're using more of the uh, hardware, uh, whether it's the camera hardware itself or the ISP uh, for the processing on real time or near real time. Um, and, and the way that it shows is that usually the photo that you're seeing on your iPhone, iPhone screen is the one that you're going to get post uh, when you press the shutter button. But Google, yeah, it's, it's something different. But this year, I think Apple has taken a, a very big step into computational photography because they understood that Google has a very big head start on them. And they can do a lot of things with software and Apple Apple really um, is a software company they use they use the the hardware but what makes them differentiate from any, anything else is the software and that tight integration so I yeah uh, they used to be very reliant on hardware but I, but this year things uh, have taken like a different path. <laughs> yes, that's a great explanation. Thanks for that. For a bit of context for the Tech Travel Geeks podcast listeners, uh, Natty is a co-host on the BYOD podcast, which by, I believe, your own definition is you, on, on the BYOD podcast, you walk that fine line between, between being Apple fanboys and generic technology enthusiasts. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, and and I think <laughs> that, that that's uh, that's the the term Greg coined, and I think uh, the way that we managed to do that to be slightly, hopefully, objective, is that the fact that we are both looking uh, from uh, like the the products themselves, and if there are things that we like, we just say it out out loud, and if there's things that we don't like, no matter from which company it is, uh, we just say our opinions without being too um, captured in the notion of, uh, okay, I'm an Apple user, so I have to defend Apple in uh, for anything that they do. No, it, that's not how we, I believe uh, things should be, not, not to tell people how to, how to act basically, but I think the, the best way is to try to be objective. And even if you like some company, uh, acknowledge the thing, the wrong thing that they're doing. It's not, uh, it, there's nothing bad about it. Speaking of acknowledging mistakes and wrong things that are happening in the world of technology, uh, one thing that I think we should mention on this podcast is the recent uh, scandal engulfing Google. And I know you, you, you're involved in that as well. Which so one? 
<laughs> so the I would say the, the main one, the one that was reported in the New York Times uh, late mm. last week about a certain culture of uh, of leniency towards executives that had performed or or behaved in a very inappropriate manner, and the ways the ways Google distance themselves from the company, distance those executives from the company without actually admitting to any wrongdoing and uh, getting rid of them that way. As a result, today, uh, Google, a, a company of many thousands of employees, many of those employees staged a walk walkout. And I think it's admirable that such a big movement from within the company has happened. Uh, I think the senior leadership will take notice and make sure that that never happens again. I think it's it's a terrible thing that, that happened if the reports in the New York Times are true. Uh, it's it, it puts Google into a different perspective for me, mm -hmm. personally. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. Um, I really like Google as a company, uh, their products as that they, they do. I think that what a lot of people look at Google as a service company and they're just doing services, but Google is a really focused product company. And I think Ben Thompson has a very, very keen observation by saying that Google uh, from the get-go won by being the best at what they do. So they really invest in being the best. Obviously, they in some areas, they're not the best, like uh, in hardware because they're newbies at it or it's not their core core competency even though they had multiple trials there but they really strive to have the best product experience uh, that they or the te technology that they can bring uh, whether it's search um, mail maps whatever they really rode on a very good uh, wave of using their search into uh, pushing a lot of uh, adjacent services uh, and leveraging it. And the thing that I don't like about Google is their company's culture. I don't know why, but there's something in their culture that uh, get, gets me off. Uh, I can't put my, I couldn't put my uh, hand on it, uh, my finger on it up until now, but all of these stories that now bubble up, uh, they don't surprise me. Um, a company that has a motto of do no evil and then they remove it and they do all kinds of things that for, for uh, privacy, the way that they uh, change their opinions about net neutrality because of Verizon, their connection with Verizon. I don't know, something about their values um, is, is not that strong. And um, even though they have very good products, I don't believe that Google is a company that has very strong values. Um, look, every company has its good side and bad side. Uh, Apple is no saint, definitely. Uh, no company is a saint. But I think you can judge by which company has the better values. Um, in the industry. And I think that, uh, I don't know, I think Microsoft uh, under Satya Nadella is one of those. I think Nadella is a great CEO and has a lot of very good values, which he tries to implement in uh, Microsoft and uh, incorporate it. Uh, 
Apple is one of those, a, a company where the CEO tells investors that he wants to do things for, uh, um, to have a green company. And if they don't like it, then they can just find another stock. This, this, is, this is powerful and it's, it shows very big values. Um, yeah, and, and Google is, isn't, I, I don't perceive them as such a company, uh, even though I use their services and they have amazing products in some regards. Yes, um, especially in the travel space, I'd say Google has some amazing products from oh, Google, Google Flights to Google Maps, Google Maps, which obviously benefited from the acquisition of an Israeli company, Waze. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's a lot going on in the travel space, as well as integrating all the other services they have into solving users' problems whilst they're traveling or or just before or at the right moment uh, relating to travel. I oh. personally use Gmail. I use Google Trips. I've been using Google Flights. I use Google Maps regularly, mm -hmm. and it's. It's, a, it's an amazing stack of diverse services that come together nicely under the Google umbrella. It makes traveling for me very, very easy. For example, oh. in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to, going to China. Uh, I would not be confident going to China without Google Flights uh, with offline translation on my smartphone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not it's not perfect, uh, but last for example, last time I was in China, uh, there was four of us at, at dinner. We were trying to order uh, via Google Translate. The waitress replied to us via voice. The translation picked it up as, well, if you are 24 small peasants, it's 24. <laughs> we said, okay, whatever. And then 24 trays of dim sum arrived. So we were very... <laughs> We were very full at the end of it. <laughs> yes, it sounds like China. I've been to China when I after I traveled after the army, and we, before there were smartphones and everything. And the only thing that helped us uh, that was uh, a Lonely Planet guidebook and some <laughs> some uh, Chinese phrases at, at the at the back of the book, which we tried to use. And what I've learned is that in China, it is probably one of the only countries in the world where you do something like puck, 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 they don't understand it chicken <laughs> no chicken is strictly a food in china yeah definitely uh so i uh, i totally understand by the way google maps works in china i i'm i'm no as far as i know it does but it's very out of date it's not mm. the google maps we know in outside of china okay yeah uh but it, it it does exist. For, for me, the biggest thing for, go for my upcoming trip to China is Google Translate. And the fact that I can catch the, the Chinese language, I can uh, cache Mandarin on the device, even without an internet connection, I will have translation and voice translation on, on my smartphone. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and I agree. Google services are superb. I, as I said, uh, when we travel to Budapest, we used only the um, public transportation and only with Google Maps. And it was smooth. And it was like every time we wanted to go to some place, we the 
the map directions took us through uh, which bus or train or subway or whatever we need to take with very precise with the the right times when the bus is about to come how long we need to walk uh, to get there it was very very convenient and I don't think I could manage that easily in a foreign city without Google Maps. Um, and yeah, Apple Maps is not as good as Google Maps, no matter what uh, they'll do, at least not for now. However, in uh, in London, Apple Maps was the, a very good experience. When I was there, I used the watch and uh, um, AirPods, and it was like going in, um, managing the streets, if as if I am somebody local, you you couldn't actually see me as a as a tourist because I just walked and I got directions and and slight taps on on my wrist. But uh, the experience is not there; it's not the same globally. Uh, London, I think, is one of the few cities that Apple Maps Maps excels at, uh, and here in Israel, it's like um, a, a mixed uh, <laughs> a mixed experience, definitely. Very good. Um, so okay, we've we've talked about a bit about you, about your travels. Uh, we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent talking about products. <laughs> um, is there anything else you'd like to shout out about uh, apart from BYOD podcast, which you can find wherever you find good podcasts? Any other initiatives or things you'd like to shout out about? Uh, no, not at the moment. Um, I'm thinking to restart my a, a small blog that I have had invented or adopted, which I neglected in a criminal, almost criminal way in the last <laughs> year or so. Uh, but I will see if I have the time. Uh, not not sure, but uh, I, re I write and uh, and talk about that. This is something that I have a lot of. Uh, thoughts about and opinions obviously very good and obviously people can follow you on twitter as natty show that's mm -hmm. n-a-t-i-s-h-o uh, anywhere else people can follow you on social media or on the internet no, uh, I have a very small Instagram uh, account which I don't follow that many and I don't use Facebook and I think Google Plus is just is about to be <laughs> closed off. So, uh, no. Just it's sad. Google, Google Plus does still exist, but not for long. Sadly, rest in peace. It w had so much potential, but it was one of those places Google failed. Yeah. Right. Um, so thank you very much for joining us, Natty. Uh, thank you to our listeners and watchers on YouTube. Uh, you can watch our episodes live on YouTube, but also after the fact. We will then edit this video audio and release it as an audio podcast, which you can subscribe to anywhere you get your podcasts. Places such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, etc. Uh, and you can also follow Tech Travel Geeks on Twitter at Tech Travel Geeks. Myself, Todoleo, T O D O L E O and uh, our website, techtravelgeeks.com. So thank you again for listening or watching. Thank you, Natty, for joining us. And thank you for having me. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye.